Welcome to the Unbiased Fanboys Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Thomas. And we love to talk tech and all things Google. Yeah, and not only Google, we want to give you our unbiased points of views on all things tech-related, from computers and phones to smart home tech. In this podcast, we hope to be able to share our passion for all our favorite things in tech with you. But we won't shy away from bringing you the unbiased truth. If we hate something, you'll be the first to know. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms as well as social media at the Fanboy Pod. Our website is unbiasedfanboys.com. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to the Unbiased Fanboys Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Tommy. Are you short? Uh yes. No, you're like five, like ten. What? Oh. You're six. Mm. How tall are you? Uh I think I'm around six. Oh, okay. That's yeah. good for our Wikipedia pages because we're so famous. <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, we've got something special for you guys today. Not only are we going to talk about the Motorola Razor phone, we're going to talk about Google Duo updates, really, Fortnite, and the Microsoft Surface Duo. Am I forgetting anything else? Oh, the Xiaomi Mi 10 Ultra. Yeah, that's an ultra experience right there. Everything is a fucking ultra these days. Yeah, yeah. If it's not an ultra, it's not worth buying. I'm sorry. I'm going to disagree <laughs> with you. All right. So um, no beer segment this week, but we might catch you back next week. But with that being said, let's go ahead and kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the episode with the new news, news segmentation. News. Yes. 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 We'll call it news. Yeah. I think news works. The first news topic that we have today is the announcement of the announcement of the Motorola Razor, the, the second gen. Oh, an announcement about an announcement? Yeah, yeah. They've announced when they're going to announce the new Razer phone. It'll be on September 9th. There are rumors about what it's going to be, but of course it's all rumors so far. Rumored it's going to have improved specs, hopefully, like 8 gigs of RAM, 256 gigs of storage, and a 765 processor, making it 5G compatible. Um, Also, apparently, an approved camera. And all of that puts it solidly in the mid-range specs wise but it's probably still going to be like 1500 bucks yeah actually that is what i'm still seeing here on these on this msn article so you know mid-range specs for 1500 dollars. keep the fucking thing but it folds and it looks like the og razor which you can't put a price value on nostalgia again keep the fucking thing (laughs) well an equally confusing decision being made is google replacing duo with meat uh, not not meat is in like beef and chicken, like meat or like the in... meat and potatoes of this episode, right? I mean, like we should have known that was a thing, yeah, because it's Google, and basically every single app that they have is essentially a beta for the greater good. Yeah, <laughs> for lack of a, you know, it's just it sucks. It's kind of annoying because when you feel like you're getting used to something, I mean, Duo never really took off because everybody still calls. Hey, do you want to FaceTime? Right. But even without that name recognition, I feel like it's done pretty well. I mean, I I know multiple people who use it. I have a friend of mine who's been on iPhone for forever and he'll call me on Duo every now and then. Like it's definitely, I think, recognized as one of the go to alternatives for something like FaceTime. And I have enjoyed the situations in which I've used it. I feel like a lot of Android users just don't know about it. I just feel that most Android users aren't going to say, oh, do you want a Duo later? you want to Skype later? Do you want to do a Google Hangouts later? Yeah. A Google Meets later? Nobody really knows about Duo. Yeah, well, and they're not helping themselves by replacing it every few years either. 
that definitely hurts it. But at the same time, I kind of feel like that's really the thing about most Google yeah. products is nobody knows. Aloe died not because it was a bad product, but because nobody used it. So this is a similar thing. Although to be fair, my understanding of it is that meat has grown rapidly because of the whole stay at home quarantining work environment. Yeah. And there's been a lot of people looking for a good alternative to Zoom. Well, Zoom for the longest time wasn't secure. Yeah, right. And a lot of people arising from those concerns, they were looking for alternatives. And every company out there was scrambling to push their alternative. And Google created Meet and pushed it out kind of in the middle of the pandemic. And it apparently grow, or grew rapidly. And it now has way more users, at least according to the article that I'd read from 9to5Google, it has way more many users than Duo ever did already. Which is funny because Duo comes pre-installed. Right, right. It's like, how do you do that? <laughs> Meet is integrated into Gmail. And when you log into like the desktop Gmail page, oh, the little yeah. thing comes up mm-hmm. saying use Google Meet. So yeah. a lot more people use Gmail than use Duo. So it makes sense. All right. So I'm about to like break some news to you. Uh, fresh off the press. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you're going to feel about this one. Maybe a little jealous. But the Pixel 4a has started shipping. Oh, damn. Yes. All and right. uh, my source is pretty... Uh, Pretty credible. Did you just get like the email confirmation? No, but my wife did. Oh, man. Yes. Nice. I've been sitting on that shit all day. I, I wanted to do it just like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So um, we got Fortnite next. Hmm. So basically kind of transitioning here from the Pixel 4a, ours will be here by Wednesday. Allegedly, we are going to talk about Fortnite. They got kicked off of not only the Google Play Store, but the Apple App Store as well, because they were... Basically, they found a way to bypass, which I'm sure it wouldn't really. Oh, no. But bypass their own integrated payment method and was able to just direct everything to themselves. So in case you didn't know this, the for an app to be available on the App Store in Google or Apple, 30 percent of any revenue made off of the sale of that app goes to Google or Apple. Which 30% is fucking high. That's a lot. So just to kind of give you some context, most NFL marketing agents only take 15 to 20%. Yeah. 20 is a bit high, but 15 is probably about your average. NFL contract agents, the people that negotiated the half a billion dollar contract for Patrick Mahomes the third, typically only get between 1 and 3%. I mean, 1% of a million dollars is still fucking good just for negotiating a contract. 30% is insane. And granted, they have a lot of overhead. They have to maintain all the servers and everything. And they have standards for security and privacy that they try to maintain. So there's some justification for there being some overhead. But 30% has been a very contentious number, especially among developers. And in addition, in-app payments also take 30% off. So if you're in Fortnite and you want to buy a $10 cosmetic item or something, Google gets $3 out of that. right? So that's why a company like Epic, who makes Fortnite, would be interested in trying to bypass that. And Fortnite was available for a long time before it was on the App Store as kind of a side-loaded third-party app. You could so install... speaking of that, Apple will not let you install third-party apps. They yeah. all have to be installed from the App Store. Yep. Whereas with Android, you can. So Android users will still be able to use and install Fortnite, yep. but Apple users are kind of up the creek. You could install the Epic Games app, and then from there, you can download the kind of third-party side-loaded Fortnite app directly from Epic. And then it's fully from Epic. Epic gets all the money and for in-app are you, purchases. Are you saying for Android? 
Yeah, for Android. Yeah. But for Apple, you can't do that. That's the way it worked for a long time. But only recently they put it on the store. And almost as soon as they put it on the store, they got themselves kicked out for trying to bypass that 30% fee. And, you know, they were justified in being kicked out because they clearly broke a very written rule. But it kind of calls into question whether or not that rule is fair. I mean, no. I mean, 30% is, what's the word I'm looking for here? Regoddamn ridiculous. Google makes so much money anyway off of ads and ad revenue and I would say hardware, but that's kind of debatable because of how much. Well, see, this makes sense why they're willing to sell such a a cheap phone and probably even potentially take a hit on the hardware for something like a Pixel. Because if they're making 30% off of every app you buy, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, how many people actually buy an app itself? I I feel like that number is like pretty low compared to like the like in terms of the ratio. Yeah. Well, see, they have it kind of in a win-win scenario, though, because if you don't buy the paid app, you probably get the free app, which has ads. Yeah. So they get ad revenue from you if you get the free one and they get money straight from you if you get the paid one. So here's where I'm going to kind of like give you a little bit of insight. With Facebook, for example, you don't have Google ads, of course, but really with when you create a mobile app, I'm, I'm sorry, when you create a mobile app, you don't necessarily have to sign up for ads using Google services can that's how you make money but with facebook you you have facebook ads so it's a little bit different but you can still get out of facebook ads it takes a little while but you can get out of them and uh facebook if you're listening please ignore this just turn the episode off (laughs) so one thing that i've been doing for about a year and it really works for me historically speaking knock on wood when you see an ad what you do is you hide the ad And then when it asks you why you no longer want to see the ad, you mark it as it's irrelevant. And when you do that enough times, you confuse the algorithm, even when it's things that you love. For example, the Seahawks for me, John Bellion's music for me. I hid all of those. Mitchelton Scott Cycling. I hid those ads too. I hid every fucking thing, made them all irrelevant and almost never see ads. And when I do, it's for like a day or two Hmm. and then it's gone. Interesting. And it might be like three. Hmm. So you can still get out of it. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I definitely think that Google, I don't know. I don't know what the solution to it is because... Just take a lesser pay. I mean, Google's already making like trillions a year. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, their profit margins, I'm sure, are plenty high. They can, they can handle that loss. I mean, on that, it's almost probably 80 plus percent. But it's it's gonna it's gonna take probably a court ruling to make them do that. I don't think that they'll just back Which off. I kind of think it's a little bit stupid because like a court ruling, whatever happened to laissez-faire yeah. on that one. You know what I'm saying? Like I get what you're saying and yeah. I do think that it's ridiculous, but at the same time, you know, laissez-faire used to be a thing. Mm-hmm. But you really can't say that they don't have a monopoly on it. Right. Well, they don't because like they allow for third-party installs. But like, is that really a competitor? And and also like Apple and Google can both afford to charge 30% on their apps because what other platform are you going to develop apps for? Like if, if Amazon. No. Yeah. See, like that's the thing. Like even when massive companies, we talked about the, this a bit in a previous episode, but even when massive companies like Amazon or Microsoft try to get into these markets, they just don't get anywhere. And And they can offer, you know, compelling products like the Amazon phone. The Fire Phone, like their Fire tablets have been around for a while and they've been pretty well received. From what I understand, their Fire Phone wasn't terrible. But again, it's just app support. Same with Microsoft Windows Phone. It was a good operating system, but no app support. And 
it's it's such a difficult market to break into that companies like Google and Apple can afford to make developers angry because developers don't have a choice. Oh, you mean like Adobe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like Adobe can charge whatever they want because there's not really any good household names as far as co- competitive. But there are like a lot of good competitors, especially with video editing. Now. Like, oh, sure. It's definitely very difficult to kind of even get a, a, a toenail, in, let alone a whole foot. Yeah. And with something like creative software, like with Adobe, it helps that it's a well-recognized software. It's a software that people know by name. And it's a software that you can find an infinite number of tutorials on on YouTube or something. Whereas some random third-party software that just came out, it might have compelling features, but it's just not well-known and it, it doesn't have the user base there to make it as compelling. I just think that it's a bit much that they're charging. I think that overall, I don't necessarily have a problem with them doing what, they're, what they did. But let's look at the cause here. 30% is a, is a bit much. It's a lot too much. It's a lot much, yeah. And, you know, I feel like if they would have taken that down, then sure, they probably wouldn't have spent the money and resources necessary to create their own way of doing it like that to bypass. Because it's not like one guy just decided this. No, like this was probably decided in a boardroom. It was a company decision. It was a company decision. You know, it, it, it's a big thing. It's a big, big thing. And the cherry on top is that they're... Uh... Uh, Epic Games is now suing Google and Apple over this. Mm-hmm. So maybe we will start to see movement towards a court decision like we were talking about. Yeah. This might be something that if more app developers get on board with this, I've seen a few other headlines recently about other big name app developers getting upset with this. So if enough developers get on that train, we might see something change soon. Regardless, the cause is insanely high yep. take of it. You know, if it's like five to 10%, I don't I don't think that anyone's really going to complain about that. Right. Because most people wouldn't. You know, OnlyFans only takes 20%, which is, that's a lot, you know, and then you have other companies that really take a lot less than what Google's taking. Right. You know, once you make things so strict or just a little bit off the rails a little bit, then that's when people are going to, you know, try to rebel in a sense, which is exactly what they did here. Mm-hmm. And you can't blame them. 30% is ridiculous. And I feel like if they were to lower that, this probably might have happened with a few people, but they, but the bigger ones like Epic and 2K Sports, maybe, mm. you know, I don't, I don't think that they would have done that as easily just because 30% is ridiculous. Right. And when you have a company with a game as big as that saying, okay, it's actually more financially better for us to make our own, spend the time and the money and the resource developing that, mm-hmm. then that's when you have a problem, Google, because you're not as safe as you thought you were. Right. What do you think? Do you think it's possible that this was an intentional move by Epic Games? Where I mean, they had their their game available. They had Fortnite available on Android as a sideloaded app for like eighteen months before they put it on the store, and they immediately went and broke one of the largest rules that Google Play has on their apps. Like they couldn't have known that that wasn't going to get them banned. But do you think that their intention was to draw attention to that? And, you know, by posting it on the store and getting a bunch of people to download it and then all of a sudden removing it from your device and saying, oh, you can't have it anymore. Blame Google. You think that they're just trying to get people on their side? It's almost free marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that it was at least thought about because, I mean, that's kind of the way you get your product out there is through the Google Play Store. That's where most people are going to go and look for it, you know, especially with games. When it comes to mobile gaming on Android, you're going to look for it, typically speaking, on the Play Store. And when you don't have it, you're like, oh, it's just not available on Android. Stupid Android, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, that was most likely, I would think, in their meetings, what they talked about a little bit. Yeah. 
And so now they've done this. They had it released. They made a big thing out of it. Now they're making a bigger thing out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. You can't you, you can't blame them either way. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about another operating system manufacturer who decided to put out a phone, which I kind of think is hilarious. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, it's the Microsoft Surface Duo. This is the first phone that Microsoft has made directly, I think, ever. I don't know if Microsoft ever made their own phone. All the yeah. big Windows phones are like Nokia and yeah. you know, some of those other companies. So this is an Android phone this time, you know, despite them making Windows and kind of pushing towards mobile versions of Windows, they they are running Android on this one. Well, why don't you kind of tell them what they can get for $1,500? Yeah, so uh, 1400 actually. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh? There's an, adi- there's an add-on that you can get for $100. Oh, okay. Oh, right, right. Okay, so you get dual 5.6-inch 1800 by 1350 screens. So two separate screens. And it, it kind of folds like a clamshell. It's like a laptop-ish looking design with mm-hmm. just two screens. So unlike a folding phone, like the Samsung Galaxy Fold or something, where you have one big screen that folds in the center, you have two entirely separate screens. Uh, it has a Snapdragon 855 processor, so a little bit older processor, but not that big of a deal. It has six gigs of RAM. Eh. It has 128 or 256. <laughs> six gigs of RAM. That's basically what my Pixel 4a is getting. Right. $350. So right. less than a thousand. I mean, a little more than a thousand dollars cheaper than this phone. Yeah. Yeah. It's specs are definitely disappointing as well. Let me finish the specs first. It's got a 3,577 milliamp hour battery, very specific. And it has a single 11 megapixel camera that is both front and rear facing. Like that's the only camera it has because it's a folding phone. They put it on kind of the, the front of one of the screens for like a selfie camera or video calls. But then if you want to take a picture behind you, you just fold that part of the screen back and use the selfie camera to take pictures. It's a, yeah, a single camera. I mean, it is a way to save money. But they're not passing the savings on to you. It's exactly. still a fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars yeah. phone. Um, it also uh, one compelling feature it has. It has it's compatible with the Surface Pen, which is a good active digitizer. It'd be I would think comparable to the S Pen from Samsung. But you have to pay an extra one hundred dollars. Yeah, it's not included, and it doesn't you know slide into it or dock with it or anything. You just have to carry it separately. It has a side fingerprint reader, which is interesting. It's not under the glass or anything, but obviously you couldn't put it on the back since it folds. Well, we've seen that in the past with other manufacturers. It's been done before, but uh, you don't see it very often. Mm -hmm. And at least what I saw on Microsoft's website is that it was only available on GSM network. So AT&T and T-Mobile. For the people that don't understand, like myself, what is a GSM network? Oh, okay. So uh, what's the quickest way to describe this? There's just different ways that a network can organize its users to differentiate between them. A GSM network typically uses, if I remember correctly, it typically uses time differentiated methods to differentiate between users. So each user has like a period of time on a network tick. So within, let's say it's a second, within every second, you have a certain window of time in which your phone communicates with the tower. Kind of like uh, Ethernet or Wi-Fi, I'm sorry. Uh, is that how Wi-Fi works? Yeah. Okay. So basically, like, if me and you are both clicking on something, trying to load at the same time, uh-huh. well, not at the same time, but, like, within, like, a couple of seconds, it's whoever clicked it first is going to get... Oh, priority. okay. Well, so the way this works is that it's just a rotating, you know, kind of clock, and you might have milliseconds 25 to 27, and that's in that specific bit of time is the only time that your phone is talking to the tower, and your phone is the only phone talking to the tower during that bit of time. 
And so that's how it differentiates between the users. So depending on when it gets a signal, it can tell who was talking, who was sending the signal. Whereas a CDMA network, which is what like Verizon and Sprint uses, it's way more complex, but it's way more advanced. It can, um, everyone can talk at the same time and it uses some form of calculus and like complicated mathematical methods to kind of combine all the waves together and then break them all apart again. And then it has encryption at the beginning, like little codes at the beginning of each signal that'll identify which device it is. So it's way more mathematically complicated and it takes a lot more processing power to run it, but it allows all the phones to be talking all the time. So anyway, gotcha. that, that's a very treetops overview of some differences there. But GSM is just a, a, a type of network protocol that a carrier could use. And the main U.S. carriers that use GSM networks are AT&T and T-Mobile. And so that, that's the, you know, the network chip that the phone has built into it. That's the type of network it can use. Gotcha. And all of that is, like I said, $1,400. And if you want the pen, which you probably would want, given that it's a productivity-oriented device, it'd be $1,500. And then if you want to upgrade it to the 256 gigs of storage, I'm sure that's another like 100. Well, so here's the thing is like the fact that it has foldable screens. Well, not even foldable screens. It's the fact that it has multiple screens. So right now the trend is trying to move towards foldable screens. At least that's what some manufacturers are pushing. I'm not really buying it. And I think the huge issue that people have to, there's two main issues with that. Number one, on folding screens, you have the crease. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing, I feel like. Secondly, the cost. And that's mostly just because these are what, first, early, second gens. So because of that, they haven't really caught on either. And because of that, they're passing more cost on us. Right, right. I think the cost is the big factor up front for a lot of these a lot of the like tech reviewers that I've heard, you know, daily driving these phones, they all love them. I've heard so many people who have used a Galaxy Fold and they never want to go back or I don't I haven't heard that much about the Razer, but like the Galaxy Folds like they're they're supposed to be incredible phones. So I can see wanting to get into that market. But yeah, this this is different. This is fundamentally different because it's not a big immersive screen when you open it up. Like it's two separate screens side by side. So it's definitely the way that they're pitching it on their website. It's way more focused on multitasking and using two separate apps side by side instead of using one across both screens. Some examples they gave is like you can open all trails on one screen so you can like find a trail that you want to hike. And then when you click directions, it just launches Google Maps on the other screen instead of taking you away from the trail you were looking at or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like clicking a link might launch an app on the other screen as opposed to replacing the one you're looking at i mean you can still do that with the fold right right so yeah that's a software trick essentially for samsung where like how in windows i can snap one window to the far left and one to the far right and they're both perfectly right 50 percent of the width where this is like a this is a fundamental hardware limitation like you couldn't really have immersive stuff across both screens right it's not like a youtube video will stretch the full right right so there's also like a gap like my two front teeth between the two screens. Yeah, it's a very noticeable gap. Like you have the bezel from each side of the screen and then the gap in between the the two halves of the phone in like where the hinge would be. So yeah, it's a very large gap. You definitely wouldn't want to like watch a video that's expanded across both or something. But that's okay because you can land a plane in that gap. True. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of like all the stuff that they're pushing for this 
that Microsoft is pushing for this is software tricks, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're making app groups so that when you click on, you can click on an app group on your home screen and it'll launch two apps, one to each screen, like in a configuration that you use a lot or something, Mm -hmm. which is cool. But like any phone driving group would be Spotify and, and Google Maps. Right. Something like that. If you don't have Android auto. Right. Or like, again, examples that they give is like, you open your email on one and your video call on the other, you know, trying to get all those work from home people or like music Which is on interesting one because Gmail and Google meets are basically the same app. Right. Yeah. And they do have a few apps that you can kind of expand across both screens, but they still separate function onto each side. So like all of the, the Microsoft apps are built to work with it really well, but like outlook, it'll have your full, like, inbox on the left hand side and then if you open an uh, email it just opens it on the right hand side so it's like a desktop browser or something or um OneDrive, same thing it'll open a full list of stuff on one side and if you tap on like an image it opens the preview on the other but i'm that's, sorry as someone that's used OneDrive in microsoft what is it sharepoint sorry it's way behind google yeah i don't i don't like OneDrive at all and Unfortunately, those are the only types of apps it looks like. Well, there's a few notable exceptions for like third-party apps that support it. Spotify is one that it'll have, you know, you're now playing on one screen and then your library on the other. So you can like browse your library while also looking at what's currently playing. That's marginally no. useful at best. Nah. There's Pinterest apparently will support it. Open Table, Adobe Acrobat. But on Spotify, like it'll play in the background. Right. So what's really the point? It, if I wanted to have it open, I could just scroll. Right. And on like a single screen device, you know, plebs with single screens, it just pushes a little now playing to the bottom. And you can still swipe on that little window at the bottom to change tracks. And you can still play pause it from down there. So yeah, like what? there's no functional point to it. And so it'll all come down to the way developers implement that dual screen support. But I don't see any fundamental improvement over a folding screen concept. And you don't even get like a cost benefit. Like you said, one of the biggest inhibitors for folding phones is the price. This is just as expensive as a folding phone. It's maybe a little bit cheaper than the Galaxy Fold, like the big fold from Samsung. Like I think that's around 2000 and this is like 1500. So you, yeah. you are saving a bit. But I, I struggle to see a really compelling reason for why it would be an advantage over any other phone. Did you uh, happen to notice that they might be bloatware? Bloatware, no. Because when you think about it, Microsoft and Google have competing products. True. Oh, yeah. It's going to be loaded with Microsoft products. Okay. Yeah. Can you uninstall them? I don't know. Samsung phones have actually done that for a while. Samsung was partnered with Microsoft for a long time. And so phones would come pre-installed with a bunch of Microsoft software. But you could always uninstall it. I don't know on Microsoft's own phone if they're going to let you uninstall everything. Speaking of Microsoft, I read an article. This is kind of off topic about how Microsoft was telling users you'll never be able to uninstall edge yeah they're really pushing edge they really want you to use so fun fact i actually know someone who worked on the design of the of the edge logo oh okay cool yeah yeah but kind of getting back into things the so i wonder if edge is going to be the default browser i'm sure they'll want it to be and they're they're again pushing software tricks that they made with the their own apps for this for example with edge you can have multiple tabs open side by side which I don't know if Chrome actually lets you do. Like if you do multitasking on an, mm-hmm. on a normal Android phone, I don't know if you can have two Chrome tabs open side by side. Yeah, I don't. I haven't tried that. But at yeah. the same time, 
multitasking on Android 10 or 11 hasn't really been the same. Like it right. was on nine. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's more difficult. Cause I'm willing to bet the Chrome app is what you can multitask with. I don't think the tabs themselves will show up as like windows you can pick. Right. So I haven't actually haven't split screen on Android 11 or 10. Cause I just found it too difficult somehow. Let me open up Chrome. Maybe if an incognito. No, it's all the same. You have Facebook on one side and then I have tabs on another. Yeah. So there's no way to multitask with Chrome. So that would be one. Right. Like that's something. Like you could have your note. No, you wouldn't be able to have your notes on one. Right. So it's not useless, but I mean, is it worth $1,500 for mid range no, specs? No, because at that point, I would just use my fucking computer. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. See, that, that's another thing. If you want a productivity oriented device, there's so many things you could get for $1,500 that do, would do a better job. Actually, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about one of them later, the Samsung Tab S7. Yeah. Um, so tablets are absolutely an option. And for the use cases they're pushing here, note taking, emails, video calls, that type of stuff, get a tablet, get a laptop. Yeah. It's I mean, they're be just better. as portable. They just won't fit in your pocket, but big deal. Put it in your backpack. Right. Yeah, if you're if you're a productivity machine, you've got your backpack or your your little messenger bag or something with you. Like Or if you're like Judd, you got your fucking gear bag. Yeah, right. I mean <laughs> it's I don't think they're solving any problems with this device. Well, let's get into a product that I'm I'm mildly excited for. I hate that it's not coming to the US, but you know, I think that it has a lot of promise, especially because it gives you a fuck ton of good spec'd out hardware. For a lot less than your typical flagship, at least with the starting point. That is the Xiaomi Mi 10 Ultra. Yes. And Xiaomi's been around for a while. This is actually their 10-year anniversary kind of phone. Mm-hmm. So the, the Mi 10, they made one about every year for the past 10 years. And like you said, the specs are, are great. It's got a Snapdragon 865. It's got anywhere from 18 to 16 gigs of RAM. Anywhere from 128 to 512 gigs of storage. It has a 6.7 inch 120 hertz 1080p screen, which is kind of the norm for flagships now. It has a 4,500 milliamp hour battery. And we talked about this last episode, 120 watt fast charging. Mm -hmm. It's fucking stupid. It's supposed to be able to go zero to full in 23 minutes. And potentially the way they're doing this, according to Mr. Who's the Boss, is there's two separate batteries, like the main battery is split in two. And so they're charging both batteries at the same time at 60 watts a piece. But here's the which exciting is really smart. thing. Their wireless charging is 50 watt. Yeah. Which is still faster than your hardwired charging on your regular S20 Ultra. Oh, yeah. It's faster than wired charging on pretty much any other phone. I mean, OnePlus is warp charging that they're so proud of. It's like 30 watts. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it's it, 50 watt wireless charging is incredible. Like that's actually really compelling. And honestly, if I had this phone, I would probably use that 50 watt wireless charging more than I would use cable charging because being able to just plop it down on my desk for like 40 minutes and go zero to full. Yeah. Like that's way more useful, I think. And and like at the same point, like you and I, we kind of just had this conversation, but we're both, we'll plug it up at night and charge it overnight. Right. But you know, I would like to, you know, just put it down on something and charge it, but having a pixel four, a, we don't have wireless charging. Yeah. And that's, that'll depend on your habits as to how useful that 120 watt charging is. That is its big headlining feature. That's super unique. Someone like, for example, Kendra, she doesn't charge her phone at night. Like she never plugs it in when she goes to bed. I mean, it's with a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. I might right. not either. It does okay. But like she's all the time in the middle of the day charging it or like in the middle of the evening, it'll die. She's just kind of randomly as it dies, she charges. 
right? So having 120 watt charging going zero to full in 20 minutes, like that's insane. If that's, if that's your style of charging, whereas someone like us that charges it every night, like, does it really matter? Well, did you see their charging pad? Yeah. That's the other thing. If you do choose to go with wireless charging, unfortunately that pad is only 25 watts. It doesn't do the full 50 watts, which is still more than you get with your Samsung. I think that there's a 25 watt fast. I don't remember what Samsung's fast wireless charging. I don't remember how many, but anyway, it, the special thing about this, this charging base, and I'm sure you can find videos of it online if you want to see it. It has a coil that will mechanically move itself to match wherever you put your phone. Mm-hmm. So it's a really big base and you can set your phone anywhere on it and but it'll the issue move the is, coil. The issue is like you don't get that capability with two devices. Right. Because it's taking up that. Be, the whole gimmick is. It only that, moves one coil. Right. The whole gimmick is that it can move its coil where a lot of this huge charging pads they just have a ton of coils in them mm-hmm. so you can put a bunch of devices down everywhere this is one that the whole gimmick is that you can just put your phone anywhere on it and the, the coil will find it and the downside is you only have one coil so it can only charge one device at a time but anyway the phone itself is really high specs their cameras are also very proud of uh, they have a homemade 48 megapixel main sensor a 48 megapixel telephoto with 5x optical zoom and 120x digital zoom, trying to one-up Samsung there. They have a 20 megapixel ultra-wide and a 12 megapixel two-times kind of portrait sensor. And they also have an upscaling algorithm, apparently, for the main sensor to try to get it up to about 100 megapixels, roughly. But Which, here's the thing. The camera is amazing. Mm-hmm. It is. It actually won the best camera of the year. From DxOMR. Best ever. By Yes, exactly. The thing is, is like the camera is in a weird... like. It's so elongated that it's easy for your fingerprints to get all over. Yeah. If you think the camera bump on like the S20 Ultra is big, like this thing is, it's a huge, it's extended well, it's all the way big. down the side it's just of the phone. long. It's like 50% of the width yeah. of the, well, not the width, but like the height. Yeah. And that would also make things like putting a little wallet attachment on the back or things like that kind of. You can't do diff- it. Yeah. And I'm sure positioning it on a wireless charger gets weird if it's not And there even if you own. use like a pop socket, that potentially. Yeah gets in the way of that it's just a weird positioning for the camera on the back yeah what we've seen from the cameras from for example mr who's the boss it looks like it's really good cameras i have questions about it um it, it, of course i'm a lot of cameras nowadays are software you can't really look at the paper specs and say that it's all good same with samsung's i mean on paper they're all great but they don't match a pixel for example their their main sensor is 48 megapixels and it's actually a larger physical sensor size than the 108 megapixel sensor on the Galaxy S20 Ultra. But I, th- I see that as a problem. Like the advantage of that is that you can get more light in and more accurate colors and, and better dynamic range and all that type of camera stuff. But the problem of that is that with how shallow that lens is on it, you get a really shallow depth of field or a, a really narrow window in which you can actually focus. And that's a problem on the 108 megapixel on the S20 Ultra. That's actually one of the reasons why you might consider the S20 Plus over the S20 Ultra, because it doesn't have that big of a sensor. And this sensor on the Mi 10 Ultra is even bigger. So your depth of focus is going to be so shallow. If you're trying to take a picture of something up close, even some of the like flower pictures that Mr. Who's the Boss posted. Yeah, he couldn't get it to focus. Yeah, you could. You either wouldn't be able to focus on something small at all, which is probably a software issue. Or even if you could get it to focus, you would have like one of the pedals in focus. It, like the ones behind it are out of focus. The ones in front of it are out of focus. Which, like, I mean, this a is a problem 
to kind of put it in perspective, this is a problem that I have on my Google Pixel 2, which came out in 2017. Yeah. In tech standards, this phone is, a sense, is essentially ancient. And that is a problem that you're having with the Xiaomi Mi 10 Ultra, which, granted, it still has a great camera, mm-hmm. but it still has a lot of setbacks. Yeah. And this is, I think they're going down the same route as Samsung here, where they're just throwing specs at it. And they're saying, if we can get a bigger sensor, bigger has to be better, right? If we can get you more of whatever, if we can get you more megapixels, bigger this, bigger that, it'll be better. And that's not inherently true. And I think something like the Pixel proves that philosophy to be flawed by offering you much better experiences with much lower specs. Well, that's the thing is like Google has their philosophy, which is horribly flawed, right? And everyone else and everyone else has another philosophy, which is also horribly flawed. Just like government, just like religion, just like all these other things. Everything is it's always almost like extreme one way, but not like in the middle where they can at least make it a lot better because Google is all software. Right. Everyone else is all hardware. Right. With the exception of maybe Apple. They're, yeah. Apple kind of plays that balance well, but they just don't have the the pleasure of having competition. Right. And so with Xiaomi, it does seem like they cut some corners here. But at the same time, this phone starts at $760. Right. And for that, you get the eight gigs of RAM with 120 storage, which is still amazing considering everything that you get. You get a 4,500 milliamp hour battery. You get 120 hertz, 1080p, which 1080p. Yeah, I'm not really going to notice the difference. I right. can't see shit anyway. And you, but you also get the wireless charging yep. of the 50 watts and the 120 fast watt charging. Yep. That's fucking stupid. And the, the like you said, the 120 hertz 1080p screen being, you know, a bit disappointing that it's not 1440p. The thing is, even on Samsung phones that have the 120 hertz 1440p. It's adaptive. You ha- well, you have to pick between the two. Right. It's either 1080p and 120 hertz or 1440p. So a 120 hertz 1080p screen is competitive with something like a Samsung. Because most people are probably going to pick the higher refresh rate over the higher resolution. It's I mean, more noticeable. gigs of RAM with 120 hertz is awesome. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But that's what you get for $760. Yep. Now, for 1,000, you can get up to, what, 16 gigs of RAM? Yep. And, and half a terabyte yep. of storage? That puts it up into the ROG Phone 3 territory in both price and spec. Right. And so, yeah, it's definitely a really competitive device, especially considering its price. If you live in China and it's available to you. And if you don't live in China and want to send us one for free, by all means. Yeah. The other thing that's really cool about this phone, like probably my favorite thing about the phone, is that it comes, it it has the option of coming with a clear plastic back. I do like that. Or it's not fully clear. It's like a a dark clear plastic. And we're not talking the case. We're talking the back of the phone itself. Yeah. The actual molded plastic on the back is semi-transparent. It's like a dark, transparent plastic. It looks so nice. You can actually see the components of the phone. Exactly. That is something, you know, Jerry from Jerry Rig is going to love. Oh, yeah. Although it kind of makes his D-brand skin obsolete. Only in China. True. True. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure he can can afford that. Also, if you really like looking at fingerprints, there's like a chrome like mirror finish that's also available. But yeah, that that's the Xiaomi Mi 10 Ultra. It's available in China. It's a really compelling cost proposition if you're in the higher end market. If you're looking for a cheap phone, it's not a cheap phone. It's still the cheapest. It'll be $760, but you get a lot of bang for that buck if you have that kind of buck. Well, speaking of getting a lot of bang for your buck, something that would that I would at least consider before ever considering that Microsoft Duo phone mm-hmm. and something that has 
a huge battery, or so I thought until I realized I was looking at something on the tablet. The, <laughs> I mean, because 8,000 milliamp hour battery for a phone would be ridiculous. Yeah. But we are talking about the Samsung Galaxy Tab S7 and S7 Plus. And that is something that actually made MKBHD's Dope Tech as an iPad Pro killer. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a really cool looking tablet, and I haven't paid attention to Android, Android tablets in years. They like back. I think the last time I was really into Android tablets is when Google was making tablets. Like back when the, the Pixel Slate, the well, the Pixel Slate is their most recent tablet. I think they've made. Wasn't that a Chromebook? The Pixel Slate? Or no, no, you're talking about the Pixel Book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but like the Pixel Slate RIP was the first tablet to be able to run full Chrome. Oh, right, right. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Uh, see, I was thinking of the Nexus tablet, like the Nexus 7, the Nexus 10. I had both of those tablets. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, those are like, that's that's back in the era that I was interested in Android tablets. And it, it's been years since I paid attention to them. But Samsung's kept up with it, apparently. And these look to be really compelling products. Going over the specs, they're a little bit different for the S7 and the S7 Plus. So the S7, or actually both of them, have an 865 plus Snapdragon processor. The S7 has 11 as an 11 inch QHD 120 hertz screen. I think it's just a regular LCD screen, not OLED. It's got six gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage, an 8,000 milliamp hour battery with 45 watt fast charging. Yeah, it sounds really weak compared to the Mi 10 we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And it starts at $650. And which again, like 865 plus a 120 hertz screen, 8,000 milliamp hour battery for 650. Like in phone terms, that's actually like a pretty good deal. Yeah. And honestly, with Google Fi, you could just use that. Yeah. Just pop a SIM in it and you, you would it just anyway. look really weird holding a tablet to your ear to call right. people. It also, well, the S7 Plus has the same 865 plus, but it has a 12.4 inch 120 hertz OLED QHD screen. It can have up to eight gigs of RAM, six or eight gigs of RAM in 128 or 256 gigs of storage and has a larger 10,090 milliamp hour battery. And it starts at 850. I wish I could get a phone with that. Yeah. A 10,000 milliamp hour battery. With the 730G, could you imagine how long that fucking battery a would last? Day, a week <laughs> probably. And it also, it includes the S Pen and it's... It's on the same tier as the S Pen and the Note, the Note 20 Ultra. It's like the nine millisecond latency. Mm-hmm. So with a nine millisecond latency, 120 hertz screen is going to be an incredible pen experience, especially on that large of a screen. They've also got pretty decent cameras, apparently. A 13 megapixel main camera, a five megapixel ultra wide, so two rear cameras, and then an eight megapixel selfie. And then the big accessory that you definitely want to get and with I it. I do not understand this one. Okay. The uh, the keyboard dock is available, um, and it it's like a Surface Pro keyboard or an iPad Pro keyboard. It, it just snaps onto the bottom, and you can use a keyboard and trackpad on it. It props it up, but then it'll switch your interface from an Android interface to Samsung's Dex interface, which they've they've had for a while for their phones. Where if you plug your phone into like a monitor or like a USB C dock that has a keyboard and stuff attached, you can use your phone kind of like a desktop computer. It's kind of like a Chromebook almost. Like it just changes up how things look to try to make it look more like a Windows or a Chromebook where you've got your little taskbar at the bottom and you have resizable windows and stuff. And so when you pop this keyboard dock onto your uh, Galaxy Tab S7 or S7 Plus, you have, I think it'll automatically switch it to DeX or maybe you have the option, but it'll switch it into like a DeX mode. 
where you can interface with it kind of like a laptop. It'll, it'll change up the interface to be more like a laptop. And so you can use it more like you would expect a traditional laptop computer to operate, which gives you some advantages, but you're still going to be limited by the app support. And you're going to be limited by what, which Android apps actually you work in a tablet type interface or even a desktop type interface. Well, what I was specifically talking about is like with the pencil, the S pen, whatever you want uh, to call it, it's stored on the back with like a magnetic strip. Yeah, yeah. And so when you're not using the S pen and it's stored in its rightful position, it, it has to face a certain way. Mm-hmm. But let's say you lay the tablet down. It's now elevated. It's raised in the back yep. because of that S pen location, yep. which I honestly got to give it to Apple on this one. I think they had the best implementation of a storage magnet for this. By putting it on the side. Yeah, this, that's what the surfaces do. They just clip on the side. Right. But I, I just don't like the way Samsung implemented that because when you've got it stored on the back and you're laying it flat on the ground, it's fine. You can type away like it's elevated and stuff. But then when you're using it, you have to like get a book or something to elevate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's an interesting place to put it. I'm not sure why they wouldn't just put it on the side. So if you get the keyboard dock for it, the advantage is you'll still have that little lump on the back, but the keyboard dock actually kind of it covers the entire back of the tablet. It extends the whole way up the back of the tablet. There's magnets along that whole surface that just clip onto the entire back of the tablet. And there's a little kind of indented cover that goes over the pen. So it'll hold the pen in place better. You don't have to worry about it falling out, but you do still have a bit of a bump there. And I'm not sure why they did it that way. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Having a clip on the side would definitely make more sense. Actually, do you know the best implement, the best place to keep a pen that I've ever seen in your pocket? Uh, no, your because, breast pocket. No, then you'll lose it. Oh. No, see the best the the Microsoft Surface Pro X. They came out with it. It's like like a couple months old. They came out with it at the same time as the Surface Laptop Three. So it came out maybe nine months ago. I forget exactly when, but it. It has, instead of having it just magnetically attached on the side or you having to find some place to put it, in the keyboard dock, there's just this hidden little kind of pocket. I don't know if you've ever seen how a Surface Pro dock kind of docks, and I'm not going to be able to like verbally describe it, but the keyboard doesn't rest flat on the surface that you're typing on. Like if you have it setting on a table, the keyboard doesn't just fold down flat onto the table. The back end of the keyboard kind of raises up a bit and rests up against the device the way that you would expect maybe on a laptop. And when you fold that down, the pen is just tucked away in a little pocket there. It's super cool. And I don't know how to describe it. You'll have to just look up the Surface Pro X pen. It's a fantastic solution for it. It keeps it in the keyboard dock where you can always get to it within a few seconds. But it's a super cool out of the way place to store it. But yeah, you know, I, I don't really get keeping it on the back. If If you would use the pen a lot, it seems like it's a really compelling device. Even if you just want it for media like a, a like a, the, S, the s7 plus a 12 and a half inch 120 hertz oled screen that would be fantastic for mm-hmm. watching movies or youtube videos or anything on especially like I, i've wanted a tablet for a while i just don't know how much i would use it because like i'm usually on the couch and i usually just cast things to the tv yeah but i like the idea of having something like this for the bedroom but i'm almost never in the bedroom unless i'm sleeping right and we don't have a tv in there for a very good reason mm. but yeah i just i don't know how much i'd actually use it but you know i do like this product i do think that lenovo's new android based tablet is really nice that maybe we could talk about later it's been out for a month or two maybe even longer than that i think it's like the duet or something like that okay. but it's 
got a lot going for it in terms of what I liked about it, but it's not for everyone. This definitely fits into the premium range of tablets. If you just need a screen to watch videos on, you can find cheaper ones. This is definitely marketed towards people who want to either take notes or do kind of artistic type stuff with, with drawing. Oh, you mean like your wife? Right. I'm sure that she would love it, um, but she has a Surface Book 2 that'll do better. And see, the thing, the thing with this is that the, the only reason it's not a true Apple Pro competitor is going to be software. But the screen is amazing. Oh, yeah. The screen is fantastic. But I think that that positions it more as a media device than it does as like a productivity tool. Sure. And the problem with Android is that there's just not good tablet app support. And because there's not a lot of Android tablets, whereas Apple spent a long time building their iPad OS and iPad compatible tablets. And so you'll have better Adobe software. You'll have better Apple software. If you do graphic design, you have Procreate or some of those Apple tools that are built for iPad OS and are going to work really well with it. Whereas on Android, I mean, you'll have some options, but it, you just, you don't have quite the level of app support that you would have on the, the iPad Pro. So that's maybe the only thing holding it back. But overall, yeah, this is something that I would love to have an excuse to buy it. Like I, I, I'm sure that it, it's a joy to use like that large of a screen, 120 hertz OLED. Man, I would love to just sit there and scroll through, through stuff or watch YouTube or something on it. I'm sure it's a, an, a, an incredible device to use. I don't have a use case for it that justifies like 850 bucks, but I wish I did because I would love to buy it. Yeah, no, I would love it. I just would... Not like the blower that comes with it, but hey, that's Samsung. So True. I think that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Please don't forget to follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Fanboy Pod. And check us out on our website at unbiasedfanboys.com. Leave us a review on your favorite podcatcher if they allow it, such as Apple Podcasts. And let us know what you think. Send us a message on social media. Tell us how biased we really are or how unbiased we really are. And just maybe some reviews if you want to see something, you know, talked about here on the show, let us know. Yep. And keep an eye on our news page. We're starting to post some some articles now. We've got some up on the Pixel 4a and the Note 20. So, yeah, we'll be keeping that updated as well with stuff that doesn't make it onto the podcast. Yeah. And so, and we're also working on getting that into the Google News app and section on the browser. So, keep an eye open for that. And, uh, yeah, any last words for them, Tommy? I'll wear a mask. Yeah, don't be a dick. Remember, you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms as well as online at unbiasedfanboys.com and on social media at the Fanboy Pod. And feel free to let us know your thoughts about the topic or our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a message on social media or on our website. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Have a good day. Adios, amigos.